Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. My name is Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is Fred Ho-Ho-Ho-Moreland. How are you, sir? Fred, I think you're muted. Uh, I know how to work a microphone. I take, like, five days off, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm doing well. Um, I gotta say... uh, I'm I'm a little annoyed about uh, World's End for some reasons we'll get into a little bit, and uh, another reason is the uh, there's no apostrophe in the title of World's End, and so like we're just talking about the end of multiple worlds, but it's just one wrestling show makes you think, Tyler. Makes you think. You know what else makes me think? <laughs> no, you're supposed to guess here, Fred. No, I was I would I thought that was just a pause, so. Well, I, I have no idea what it, what makes you think. The devil makes me think. It makes me Ooh. think I want to quit watching wrestling. Well, you know, uh, idle hands are the devil's plaything. And uh, I guess also guys in the, the wacky suits. With they look sword. like dicks. They, it, all, I, all I think of when I see those is the Johnsons from that TNA episode <laughs> one and two. That's all yeah. I can think about is the Johnsons. It's and not great. No, but I, I will say we know one of the te- two tag team members is white because they they did expose a small portion of the back and it was white skin. So mm. we know that for a fact. Wow. Um, I had a, a, white, a, a white wrestler. Yep. A white wrestler. There's there's not that many of those should be no. easy to pick out. Um, I did have a uh, somebody message me um, with a conspiracy that the butcher is one of the devil's henchmen. So. Okay. I'm very interested to see if that comes to fruition. Uh, but yeah, this whole thing sucks. Uh, okay, and- well, we're let, let, let's segue <laughs> into it already because uh, I don't really have much. I mean, the big news story this week is that Sean Spears is on his way out at the end of the year. And, you know, God bless him. You know, Hey, I, God I, bless him and Cassie Lee because they're about to have baby number two. Yeah, uh, congratulations to them ahead of time. Hope everything goes well. And I hope that, you know, they both end up in spots that they're happy with, but you know, it, it, it was a quiet week in AEW, let's just say, away from the uh, on-screen product. Um, let's just talk about it. You know, we're doing the heat check this week. You, we do the gimmick where we go 1 to 10 on uh, how excited we are for certain matches and all that, and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, look, uh, Samoa Joe, MJF, that's the main event for this show. Um and let's just let's just do the whole, sh- whole gimmick. Uh, one to ten, how excited are you for that match? 
Uh, how, how do you think it'll go? And let's just talk about what we think about this damn storyline that we've been cursed with. If Samoa Joe wins this match, I'm at a seven because as much as I don't want to see this match, I want to see Samoa Joe win and end this shit. Um, overall, I'm at like a two. How in the world am I at a two to see a world title match in this company? Between, it's, yeah, it's an embarrassment. Is. This, Look, this is TNA, WCW in their worst eras level uh, excitement. It, it does remind me of the Black Scorpion style uh, storyline from the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, only now we just have multiple Black Scorpions. Um, I guess there's one big Black Scorpion at the end. Uh, the, the Mama Scorpion, well, I guess I suppose you would say. I, uh, buddy, I, I watched uh, Dynamite this morning. Because uh, I was watching Collision last night because I got to get caught up. And um, the holidays are running me ragged here. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm watching Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston. Uh, fantastic match. I went five on it because I'm a freak. Um, and uh, then we get the Kingston Moxley promo afterwards. And I'm like, this is this is my shit. This is exactly what professional wrestling should be. And this is what uh, I think, uh, you know, AEW needs to be. And this is the best possible version of it, pretty much. It's just fantastic matches. And then you get great heated promos from guys that sound like they really believe what they're doing. There's no bullshit. There's no uh, games. It's just, you know, this is wrestling. It's guys in a, in a quasi-sport who are trying to beat the hell out of each other. And... Um, and then we get the end of the show, and it's the friggin'... You know, we get we get the 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 putty squad or whatever the hell they were from the the Power Rangers show, and they come out and you know these geeks beat up MJF. They hit him with a heat seeker. They put their feet on the ropes for the pin, and then uh, we get um, a Daganropa style cutscene or whatever from some video game uh, where we get the devil telling Smojo, "Thanks for working with me," and then Smojo kills MJF and like. I just don't care, man. It is exhausting. Uh, you, you know what? I really hope. I, I secretly hope that the devil is Kenny King, so we can reunite the Beatdown Clan from 2014 Destination America TNA. Uh, that that that's my hope because you know what? Then we can just be K I N G King, and it will it'll just be a fun meme instead of just the worst shit imaginable. But I don't think I, I think regardless of what the result's going to be happening. What, what the result is going to be here. I don't think that I, I will even have like a, a funny outcome. You know, I, I can't even imagine one at this point. I'm just so over this storyline. I'm so over this horse shit. Um, yes, it's better because it's taken up less time on the shows, but like, you know that like the end of this main event is not just going to be the end of the storyline because it's got to keep going to its proper, you know, conclusion. And, okay, uh, that's fine. It, you know what? The storyline doesn't have to end, but you know what has to end? It revolving around the world title. We'll see. I, I'm not. I'm not optimistic about that either. Um, I could see this being a way for MJF to end up a two-time world champion after overcoming the odds. Um, it's kind of impossible to say right now, but I think that's very much on the table. And I'm just so. Yeah, this is not good i i there's not you know if, if you have a mystery storyline there has to be 
some level of me, you know, being invested in revelation of what the mystery is. And uh, there isn't. I, I don't want to see it. I don't care. Uh, I If they just drop this storyline cold, I would not complain that much. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not going to complain either because MJF Samoa Joe could be a really, really good match. The first match, I believe I gave four and a quarter. Good wrestling match. Yeah, it was. All you need. Good professional wrestling. And we're going to talk a lot about good professional wrestling. And the one and thing I wanted, okay, I, wanted yeah, to, sorry. I wanted to discuss this from the media call earlier today because Tony Khan said that they did like focus groups with this Continental Classic stuff. And there was a massive positive response to the sports-like presentation. It's amazing that he needed a fucking focus group to see what worked in the first four years of the company. We, uh, we've been trying to tell you, man. We have been trying to tell you, Tony. Um, Look, it, at least it seems like things are going to get back on track from a broad, pr- big picture perspective. That at least gives me hope, The how he was communicating that on the media call today. But, damn. Just so frustrating. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a shame that I'm, you know, this pessimistic about things. I'm at a one for this match. And I like, I think I will end up giving this match a good rating. I think it will be, uh, I will probably drop at least four stars on it. If it's a normal match and not a lot of shenanigans going on during the match. If they just do a match and then do shenanigans. I'll say it's a good match probably because MJF's a good worker and Samoa Joe's a good worker. And they're going to, um, you know, if they're allowed to, they will put on a good match. But I just, there's just all this other stuff going on that I do not care about. Um, it's been a big turnoff to uh, to me as a fan, and it's been very frustrating. And I'm hopeful that we can, you know, I mean, and even if we just get the world title out of this, it'll help some. But the fact is, it's still going to take up a huge amount of TV time, you know every week and uh the best episodes of tv reason for AEW have been the collisions without any mjf on them and without any devil on them and um yeah i just i don't know man i'm just kind of exhausted with it i'll be honest but hey we're here we'll get to see what happens and uh we'll you know move forward All right, well, we've talked about that bullshit, Um, and let's move on. What what do we have next? Because you know what? I could yell about this bullshit for the whole show, but I I like our listeners and respect them too much to do that. So, Fred. There's there's stuff I'm excited about on this card, too. So There's a lot to be excited about. I'm going to keep going in reverse order on the uh, listing on Wikipedia. So uh, you know what, next right, up, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I you. want to talk big picture about this card first. Um, yeah, sure. Because we both like the card, yeah. but I, I think big picture wise, we've had the conversation about this company going to more of a 12 paper, you pay-per-view cycle and having more pay-per-views and a calendar year. And just since August, we've had all in all out, um, Wrestle Dream, Full Gear, and now World's End. Five pay-per-views and essentially four calendar months. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It and is. it can really hinder your, your storytelling. And we didn't even include Grand Slam. 
which is essentially a television pay-per-view. Yep. So how do you feel about this card in an overall broad picture sense, comparing it to the rest of these AEW pay-per-view cards? Because like one of the things with WWE for so long, when they would run 12 pay-per-views a year, like I'm thinking like the ruthless aggression era, you would have defined B shows like bad blood and vengeance where there'd be a couple pretty good matches on the show. And then a bunch of them that look like maybe they could be raw main or semi main events. And you're, you're telling a story, but it's nothing special. Like, yeah. How do you feel about that style of comparison to like those, st- those pay-per-view cards? Because I think these are better built, but they, it's not, I, I could argue in the last like three years of AEW, so I'm like kind of looking at hey, they're established 21, 22, 23. This is arguably the weakest pay per view card they put out. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think you know, we'll see. I guess, um, I, I think that on paper, it's a pretty solid card. Uh, the women's side is just like the rest of the women's side this year largely kind of on the weaker side of things i think in terms of build and quality um and uh but i I mean if you just look at the listings for the uh for the men's side you know ignoring the battle royal uh with nobody announced for it yet uh, if you ignore that and uh, ignore the women's matches then like the next to worst match on the show is probably going to be I don't know, Wheeler Yuta versus Hook. And I think that I'm pretty excited about that, actually. I think that could be pretty good. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. I think that they're managing to put out good shows. I have yet to buy a pay-per-view and feel like I wasted money. Um, There, I've been annoyed with some stuff that got heavy on the MGF stuff, obviously. Uh, I think we all would not be surprised by that. Um, But yeah, I, I think until they, you know, outright uh, let me down with a bad show, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I think when you're talking big picture with this company and it's this could be the start of a trend. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what's worrisome. If this is the weakest card in the history of modern AEW, which I'm considering after they survived the glut of the pandemic, because it's really hard to fully judge those shows outside of that pandemic bubble, because it was just such a weird time. There were so many variables at play. So in the last three years, this being the weakest card, could this be a trend moving forward where shows that are essentially add-ons outside of the core four, I'm going to call core five with all in included. Okay. Outside of the core five. Yeah. Is this going to be a trend moving forward? I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't, but we do need to keep an eye on this as they continue to add and add and add more big shows, how these cards get constructed, how they build their storylines. And it's, it's very interesting to keep a watch on. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, it's something to watch, but, you know, there's always going to be a worst AW pay-per-view. Uh, that's just the nature of it. And uh, 
I still think that they've been doing enough to, you know, not be putting out Drek. Uh, so, you know, until well, that becomes an actual problem, I'm not going to worry about that too much. Now, I do think that if they structure this with MJF Samoa Joe going on last, I think that's a real risk that people will look back on this show negatively. Because, you know, you tend to remember the last thing you saw the most. Uh, that movie ending was just such a big deal. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I would put that on earlier in the show or something. And uh, avoid that problem. But I don't think they will. Yeah, I, I'm not going to jump to any like concrete conclusions, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. Fred, what's the next match? Our next match is uh, the disgruntled special Andrade El Idolo with CJ against Miro. Where are you at on this one? I don't give a shit about the story. Uh, obviously, it's all centered around CJ Perry and yada yada bing bang. I don't give a fuck about that. You know what I care about? These two beefy boys are going to get in the ring and beat the piss out of each other. I'm at an eight. I want to see them just get in the ring and do stuff. That's going to be fun. Same. I am. Uh, I'm hyped. I, I think these two could have a very good match. Um, Miro, I think, is fantastic, and I think Andrade is fantastic. It's just a matter of getting them in the ring. Sometimes I, I do uh, think maybe we uh, protect Miro a little too much, and Andrade missed about half the year, I think, uh, with injuries. So. You know, I wish that um, wish that we uh, had more of them, but this will be a good match, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. We'll see if CJ Perry has any involvement in this match because she did have that finger surgery where her finger uh, developed um, some form of infection and was swelling and turning purple and apparently was traveling up her arm. Uh, mm-hmm. That seems to be okay, thankfully. Yeah. So um, all the best wishes continue to her to make sure that does not oh, return yes. because that stuff can get scary and it can happen fast. You can lose limbs and you can lose appendages and it's brutal. So um, bless all the blessings to her for continued help. Yeah, I, I hope she continues to heal well. Um, antibiotics are amazing. Um, and... Uh, you know, I really hope that she, you know, continues to make a full recovery. Me too. What's the next match? Our next match is a Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana against Keith Lee. Where are you at, Tyler? You know, it's hilarious. If this was a year ago today, I'd probably be at like an eight or a nine because that's when this uh, rivalry should have really been culminated. But they didn't do that. And mm-hmm. I'm probably at like a five or a six. I think the match will be really good. It's just so hard for me to care. I like the direction that they took. They're obviously making Kingston a made man here. I think we're going to talk more about that match. That's That was the whole point of this tournament. It's really hard for me to parse out the fact that Swerve didn't win because of where he was at, what he was able to do, and how he was growing and developing within the context of AEW. It's... I just don't give a shit that he's facing Keith Lee, and it sucks. Like, I I would have been had been more okay with it if uh, somebody just came up and be like, "Hey, I I feel like I got screwed in the Continental Classic too. Like maybe Roosh 
and you get Roosh and Swerve in just a uh, like a Gold League versus Blue League match. I think that would be better than what we're getting. But it's it's gonna it's gonna be a good match. So it, it's hard to really complain. But the process that we got there, it stinks. Yeah, I wish they had heated it up a little bit more. I do think uh, they've done pretty good in the past three weeks. Uh, trying to get this back on track as much as they can with Swerve still being involved in the uh, tournament. I do worry that, you know, I don't think they will keep this going long-term, but there's, you know, I mean, randomly in AEW, some feuds just go for 10 months, and you're like, oh, okay, we're still doing this, all right. Um, and I, I I think Swerve's destined for bigger things, and at this point in time, you know, no offense to Keith Lee, but, you know, in the pecking order, Swerve's much higher. And he should be, like, being set up to win the world championship in the near future, I would say, uh, depending on how you have that plotted out. I do think this is the first time in AEW history it doesn't feel like there's a clear plan as to where the world championship's going to end up in six months. Um, I do definitely wonder about that. Uh, but, you know, I think Swerve should be floating around that orbit, and I don't think Keith Lee's near that orbit. I, that's... Unfortunate. I think Lee's a fantastic guy, a fantastic performer, but you know, he just, you know, kind of fell off the face of the earth for most of this year. And I understand there's some health issues there, but it doesn't change that that fact. So uh you know, something to keep an eye on. It'll be very interesting. I think it'll be a great match. Uh I'm just curious how it's gonna play out in the long term. And uh I think there's a lot of kind of intrigue there about what will happen with Keith Lee. Um, so something to keep an eye on there, I think. You're on mute now. Ha ha. Who is the muted one? Tyler. You know what's hilarious? I actually hit the the other mute button. So I have a mute button on my laptop and then I have a, the mute button on StreamYard. Yeah, I hit the wrong one to activate my mic. Um, nice, but yeah, it's uh, it should be good. Uh, I, I just I just don't care, and that that's the part that sucks. I'm glad no one started this show by making a muting error. So it's just uh, yeah, we should know. fire him. What a fool! Uh, next match is Adam Copeland against Christian Cage at a no DQ match for Christian's AW TNT Championship. Tyler, where you at? Seven. And I'm seven. at a seven because I feel like this whole thing has been rushed a little too much, which is weird for AEW because, as you mentioned just a little bit ago, they do such a great job of telling these long-term stories, uh, doing the match in Montreal, and then now doing another one at World's End. Just It feels rushed. There's so much more that they can squeeze out of this. And you know what? I will eat my words if I'm wrong, and they continue to squeeze more out of this, and it continues to grow and develop and fester and then we really get the huge blow off. But it, it just feels too soon to be going no DQ. It feels too soon to be having match number two. Yeah, I, That's why I'm a little down on it. But it should be great. Um, look, Adam Copeland deserved all the grief for his WWE run. It was not very good. It was not very compelling. He was not a mover in ratings at all. That's changed a little bit in AEW. He's moved a couple of quarter hours, especially that match against Christian Cage. That number, I think, spiked like something like 20 or 25% uh, during that match. And everything he's done has been good, compelling. He has not gone to that place, which we like to make fun of also very much. 
It's been he's adjusted awesome well watch. for AEW. He's, um, he's adjusted very well, and I think he was great to put him in there with Christian. Yeah. And I do think that eventually they're going to pair them together, uh, assuming that they're both around that long. But, you know, I, I do think it's fair to question if this was the wisest expenditure of money, you know, within AEW's budget to spend it on, uh, you know, on Adam Copeland when there might have been other options out there. But, um, you know, what we have so far is good stuff on TV. So I don't know how I can really complain about that. Yeah, you know. it, it's been good, but it, I just feel like if they had drawn it out a little more, it could have been better. Yeah. But this just might be the direction of the company now where they're focused more on quarterly stories and semi-annual stories instead of doing like year-long epics, which in today's professional wrestling, maybe you have to do some of that. Yeah, and I think then there's you, a place for both. Well, uh, let me finish. Um, I no, and I won't. No, <laughs> I think you can kind of combine some of those shorter arcs into like a longer, deeper story. But I think when you look at Wardlow MJF, I think stories like that are going to be lessened, uh, either in time or in just general nature. But you could do stuff like Hangman chasing the title over two and a half years. I think that's still going to be around. Like, that's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I think you're going to see shorter, longer-term stories than you would have previously. Yeah, I, I, as long as we can avoid like the classic uh, air quotes around that uh, WWE uh, three straight months of pay-per-view matches with no real, you know, reason. It just becomes a, a pattern. Then uh, we'll be all right. I think. Um. Next up is a eight-man tag match between uh, uh, Ricky Starks, Big Bill, and Konosuke Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs of the Don Callis family against Sting, Darby Allin, and Les Sex Gods. Um, honestly, Tyler, I didn't realize this was going to be an eight-man match. I thought they were going to be two separate matches um, because I have been, again, traveling a lot this past week. Um, but how are, where are you on this one? I'm at an eight because really? all these all these Sting eight man tags rule. And the one thing that really intrigues me, guess who's on the same side? Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. How yeah. is that dynamic going to work? Uh, like, I think this is just going to be a train wreck. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be fun. And Sting multi mans have delivered every single time in this company. And I see no reason why this one won't deliver with the people in the ring. Give me a Sting Big Bill interaction and I'll die happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will probably be very good. And uh, I've had a six for it just because I feel like the build for a large part of it's been kind of weak. Um, the whole thing with, um, you know, we had the the Golden Jets uh, disaster of a segment while Kenny Omega's insides were trying to become his outsides. Uh, in hindsight, pretty understandable, but it was a bad segment, just to call it what it was. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, this will probably be a pretty good match. I don't think they're going to get enough time to like be really special. I think it'll be like just kind of like a three and three quarter star kind of situation, you know, a little 11 minute 
you know, feel good thing for Sting to get a win going into, you know, his final calendar year. And, uh, yeah, um, I, you know, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think it will be too. What's next? Uh, Riho against Timeless Tony Storm with Luther for the AW Women's World Championship. Tyler, where are you at? I guess I Five. should probably probably ask you this question while wackily eating a fruit with a peel on it still, or possibly mispronouncing some words for uh, you know to to pop people. Well, Fred, you do live in Kentucky, so you are allowed to eat a banana without peeling it. How dare you? Will Levis said so. Let me just go put some mayo in my coffee, and I'll be right back. Um, I'm at a five. Yeah, it'll probably be a good match if if we get no shtick. But you know, if it was no shtick, Tony Storm, I'd probably be like an eight or a nine. I just this whole timeless gimmick stinks. I think Mariah May's introduction, while I get it, they're doing the Trish Stratus, Mickey James stuff, and Mariah May's eventually going to beat her for that title. And I think that overall long term story is good. I just don't like the timeless Tony character. I don't like the way this is being done so far. And Riho being brought in here to lose kind of stinks because that just kind of signals that she's just going to be in for the stint and she might just be gone for a while again. And I hate that. I would just make her a two-time champ. Yeah. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. They're, they've got too much invested in Tony Storm and he's not going to, they're not going to, have her lose so she's gonna go over um you know Riho hopefully won't disappear to the void for eight months you know to just do fuck all so boy this company frustrates me sometimes <laughs> um uh next up is our other women's match we have a uh, big old spooky off Abaddon challenging Julia Hart for the TBS championship Tyler where are you I'm at an eight for this uh one Julia Hart's improved a lot uh, and two, I don't think I've watched an Abaddon wrestling match in three years. I'm intrigued to see if she's actually getting a lot better in the ring. Cause I think we talked about it here. You mentioned that she looked like she was actually improving. So I want to see that. I want to see how Julia Hart handles arguably being the better wrestler. Cause right now, based on everything I've seen, Julia Hart's the better wrestler than Abaddon. And I think even though they're both kind of spooky, my guess is they're not going to do a spooky match. It's going to be a pretty much one-on-one wrestling match. I'm kind of intrigued by this. I have no idea if it's going to be good, but there's a lot of intrigue where I just don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's a little bit exciting, especially because Abaddon has essentially been kept off TV for the better part of three years. Yeah. And, I will say, uh, you know, watching her matches that she has had on TV, she has been solid. I thought she was actively bad a few years ago. And uh, she has improved to that base level and or that baseline level of, like, acceptable on TV. And, uh, look, if they go for, like, a crazy brawl here with some, you know, garbage spots or something, this could actually be pretty good. So... Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't really foresee, you know, I'm kind of curious how they plan on using Abaddon going, going forward because she is no longer like the, the movie monster character she was back when she was scaring Hikaru Shida, you know, in feuds, making Shida afraid to touch her or whatever. Uh, but you know, she's, uh, she's passable. She's all right, you know, and, uh, kudos to her for developing that much. 
Um, that, yeah, I, I'm I'm just intrigued. I want to see what happens with these two individuals in the ring. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, now it's time for my real main event, which I've got at a big old 10 on my hype uh, chart. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston in the final for the AEW Continental Classic for the inaugural Triple Crown Championship. 40. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is a great Eddie Kingston promo. I mean, I know that, you know, a little redundant there, but there's a really good one that got posted to Twitter today that uh, I have to encourage everyone to check out. It's not from TV. Oh, God. Um, it's just from him uh, just sitting backstage and talking about um, talking about how, you know, this is what they fight for and everything. Like, you know, it's kind of what you would expect from him, but like Eddie Kingston rules. And uh I am not going to uh, look a gift horse in the mouth, you know, here. Be it another good Eddie Kingston promo, and I just sent you the tweets. And uh, Oh, I already saw it. It's oh, incredible. Good. Yeah, it's, it rules. Um, but yeah, this this should be a really good match. Uh, Moxley's basically my, I think, top five wrestlers on the year. And uh, Eddie Kingston is in my top 30-ish or so. And uh, I think they're going to have a fantastic match where they just beat the hell out of each other. Oh, this is going to be great. The exchange that they had at the end of the Continental Classic semifinals where Kingston finally beats uh, Brian Danielson, and he gets that ugly-looking powerbomb, but he stacks him, and then he just has that genuine, expressive emotion right afterwards. Just, that's fucking pro wrestling, man. And then Mox comes out and looks at him and be like, I gave you the opportunity a lifetime a couple years ago. And I let you down easy. I'm not going to do that this time. You can't beat me. And you've already lost. And then Kingston just getting in his face. And just so good. And then the backstage stuff that that you talked about. Go to AEW's Twitter account. You'll be able to find it. It's about three minutes long. And it's worth your time. Anytime Eddie Kingston talks, it's worth your time. Just look. This is pro wrestling. This is what the company needs to be. And I'm going to say this. Eddie Kingston is the biggest success story of AEW. A guy who comes in, he's always been an indie guy, always could talk, but couldn't really walk in the same way that other guys could. And he's come in, and he has made an impression. The first time he ever appeared in AEW, uh, he comes in, doesn't even have entrance music, just starts yelling at Cody. And I can't remember... I can't remember the insult he gave him, um, but he was an all-timer. And, oh, um, what was it, like, tongue-sucking dog so, or something like dog? that? Egg-sucking dog. Yes. Yeah, that's an um, old, old, dusty line, too, I do believe. So Yeah. And then they, he gets the contract, and then he gets the two title shots against Mox, and they're both really good. And then he continues to lose every single match and he finally beats Jericho. Jericho won't shake his hand and then that evolves into that whole feud and then he goes to Japan. He competes in the G1 and he's he's eliminated on the last day and he comes back, wins the strong title. He wins the ROH title in his hometown and now he has a chance to be in the American version of the Triple Crown winner. 
like his like his, the legends that he grew up idolizing in his hometown. Mm-hmm. Coming from a guy who was average to above average in ring, but could talk anybody into a building. He could talk he could talk vegans into buying a porterhouse. Eddie Kingston is the biggest success story of AEW, and it I think we're gonna get the culmination of that on Sunday. Or, or is it it's Saturday? I can't fucking wait. This is gonna be great. Yeah, this world. This was fantastic. Um and uh I I'm so excited. Yeah. So fingers crossed uh that you know nothing wacky happens that'll derail this, but this this in my heart is the main event of the show. All right, and finally, our last match, again, outside of the Battle Royal for the future AEW TNT Championship match with no participants announced, is Hook versus Wheeler Yuta for in, uh, in a FTW rules match for the FTW Championship. Tyler, where are you at? Seven, because I'm excited to see the match, but I am a little disappointed there really hasn't been a traditional build for it because I thought they could have done a lot with a good build. Um, I'm excited, though, because these are two wrestlers that I think will work well together, two wrestlers that I think will be engaging, and they'll just beat each other up. I'm like, that kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also at a seven. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to you, uh, uh, to it. Um, I think this will be a nice, uh, maybe the opener, or maybe like just the third match on the show. Uh, I think it'll deliver, so. Bingo. There's yep. what we have a 20. Um, is it a 20 man or a 20 person battle royal for the uh, shot of the TNT title? It says 20 man. So, okay. So, I, I guess I don't even know if I should be excited for this, but this is a good battle royal company. My question for you, Fred who wins? Uh, honestly, I have no idea. Um, this could, you know, one guy that's coming out of the, uh, out of the tournament and could use something to do. And uh, I think they hinted at him maybe going for bigger things uh, is Brody King. Now, obviously um, I think there's some, it's a fair question about if him going against Christian would be correct. Uh, Maybe that would forecast a Copeland win in their match. Uh, Though I personally would still have Christian. I think I'd still have Christian keep the belt coming out of that match. Uh, but Brody as a heel would be a weird matchup for Christian, but I think that Christian would just be like a, a pure heel and Brody's just an ass kicker. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think that they got a lot of people on their roster they could choose to do something with. Uh, you know, just from the, the Continental Classic, I mean, you could probably go with uh, Claudio, Daniel Garcia, Rouge, or Mark Briscoe. Uh, all these guys that would fit into that slot to varying degrees of uh, ease. And um, yeah, you know, uh, I think it'll be uh, interesting. I do think AEW is no longer a great battle royal company. I think they've moved away with that, uh, moved away from that, uh, and they no longer uh, plan it out that much. Um, 
like at one point I thought that they could have taken the uh, Royal Rumble gimmick and really made it something special. And I am less optimistic that they could do that now. It just feels like whoever it was that was laying out all those storylines in the early Battle Royals just isn't there or isn't doing it now. And so it's just like two or three stories now instead of eight. And uh, I think um, I think it's a shame because um, I really like that. Do you think that guy was BJ Whitmer? Because he he was uh, let go around at the time because like the last couple battle royals haven't been great. And this isn't me advocating for him to come back yeah, because I don't like that. This is dangerously close to asking me to praise BJ Whitmer. He was he was let go for a for cause, and yeah. the cause that he was let go for um, it's valid, hundred percent, hundred and fifty percent, but. It, this is just me trying to speculate because we talked about how this is no longer that battle royal company. I'm very curious if he was the cog in the machine that made it that successful. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, uh, but whoever, whatever's changed, and it does kind of feel like a change has happened. You know, I wish I wish it wasn't. I also was kind of hoping that they'd bring back like traditional Survivor Series matches, like you get off the first couple pay per views. Whereas guys that are not in the same storyline, but just kind of on the same alignment, and then you weave three or four stories together, and they do that gimmick. I think that would have worked really well for AW, and frankly, uh, I still do. But when they like had the one of my favorite all time things is from early on in like the first two Survivor Series is when they did like these uh, twenty man Survivor Series matches with uh, five teams per side and. Uh, it just looked cool as hell. And AEW at one point was a tag team promotion to the level that they could have easily done that. Uh, I think they've unfortunately kind of lost that. But, you know, these are just little things that I wish for. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, I'm excited to see kind of what this Battle Royal looks like because I'm hoping to get back to some of those things. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. But you know who would be a fun winner here? Who's that? Buddy Matthews. And you mentioned Brody King, uh, and I, I agree. But House of Black is—they're like these weird. It, it's AEW's kind of like New Japan in the sense where you have a bunch of heel-leaning tweeners. Where if you need them to play face for a match, they can do it, and it really doesn't impact their character or anything like that. And I think House of Black kind of fits into that motif. So buddy matthews can go in and play like a baby face kind of role not not a straight white meat baby face but um the good guy uh while still being like kind of that heel leaning tweener and christian cage can just lean into being a scumbag and i think that match could be really fun it doesn't hurt buddy matthews because he gets in ring time against christian and he has he isn't really pushed as a singles guy so a loss really isn't going to do a whole lot to him and it's a scout for Christian. And then maybe you can do a storyline where he goes through the house of black. Uh, I, th- I think there's a lot you can do with a buddy Matthews win. Plus it's, it really doesn't ruin theoretically any future long-term plans. Yeah. But yeah, that's the, that's the card. Uh, they're probably, probably add uh, one or two more to beef out the uh, pre-show, but that's pretty much what we're going to go with. So uh I think it'll be a pretty good show. We'll see exactly how good it is, but fingers crossed, and hopefully they deliver like usual. Yeah, I'm really excited for it as well. But 
it's a little bit of an abbreviated show because it is Christmas time. And those of you that don't know all my football work, it is my busiest time of the year. I have Rutgers Miami on on the TV in front of me so I can keep track of that. By the way, Fred, Mm. including my win earlier today, picking Boston College to cover against SMU, I am 16-8-1 against the spread during bowl season, and I am now above 500 as a college football prognosticator. Congratulations on your sicko success. And I mean that in the best possible way. I am four games over 500, 151, 147, and five. This season, I'm 70, 64, and two. Um, And I've only been doing it for two years. So that's going to hopefully continue to grow and grow and grow as I, I start to learn more and more about all these teams in the process. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, 16, eight, and one so far. ATS and I'm I'm excited to be able to brag about that to my buddy Thor tonight. I'm going over to his house. We're gonna watch some football. Nice, nice. Yeah. It, go ahead. Oh, I had nothing else. So I was Perfect. gonna say I hope everyone has a wonderful New Year's. Please uh be safe out on the eve. And uh I hope you all have a wonderful 2024 and we'll talk to you next week. Like, comment, subscribe, do all the fun things. Uh and it just helps us grow. And the more we grow, the better chance we will be able to have of bringing Dave Meltzer back to talk more about the world of professional wrestling and be able to take your questions. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. And even if you don't celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas can both be secular and non-secular. I just hope you had a great Monday. And a Happy New Year to everybody as well. Enjoy the pay-per-view. We will have a pay-per-view review episode at some point uh, the following week. It may be a little delayed because... The Vikings play on Sunday, and then Monday is the college football playoff, which are very, very, very busy days for me. But we will be back at some point having a nice conversation about this pay-per-view. Enjoy, and don't forget, Wrestle Kingdom, January 4th, does have AEW inclusion, including Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay defending his IWGP US title, merging it into the global IWGP title against John Moxley and David Finley. So you will not want to miss that. God bless. Take care. Go Vikings. See ya. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.